This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, episode 30. I am your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk, and I am here along with Nick Philpott and Tim Warren to preview our annual tonking at the Etihad. Jack of the City Watch Podcast will provide us with the opposition view. The listeners and my illustrious panel will predict the future by telling us what the score's going to be on Saturday before we end with a trip back to 1987 to remember Crystal Palace's 3-1 win at Main Road. Before all of that, remember to head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, welcome. I'm... um... I'm not excited for this, guys, I must say. I, I hate going to the Etihad. We, we just always get tanked there. Oh, but anyway, we shall go on. Um, a few points of order first. Season ticket cards, do not throw them away. They will be reloaded with next season's season ticket. And um, I'm sure it's some sort of cost-saving initiative. You know, every penny counts towards getting Wilfred Zaha that new contract. <laughs> Um, that reportedly, according to The Guardian, is 110k per week. And that is 110k in wages for Zaha, not what Spurs are offering as a derisory bid for him when 110k or 20 million, whatever nonsense Spurs want to talk about. Uh, Nick, you happy with 110k a week? Just keep him? Pay whatever it takes at the end of the day. Uh, he's been our outstanding performer consistently all season. Uh, yeah, others have come up to the, stepped up to the plate recently. But you know, right from the very off this year, Wilf has been right up there, up in amongst it, paying whatever it takes. And do you know what? 110,000 a week in the current climate. I don't think it's all that really. I bet it's. I, I, I would be surprised if it's not a little bit more than that. And going back to that season ticket thing, season ticket cards. I think it's been very poorly advertised by the club, don't you? I know it was on. Apparently, it was on the Jumbotron at the weekend, but I didn't see it. Uh, but that's. And I knew you were mentioning it tonight. But that's the first time I'd actually heard about it. Yeah, I'd heard about it. I hadn't seen it advertised by the club. I couldn't remember where I'd heard about it from. Uh, maybe it was at a foundation event. Someone mentioned it or something. But um, I did see it on the Jumbotron. But, you know, there wasn't any, like, 
verbal announcements over the tannoy to say <laughs> keep hold of your season ticket cards i mean i'm sure if you throw it away they'll sit they'll reissue a new one they'll probably try and charge you three quid or something for it but um undoubtedly they'll order you a new one um so back to wilf um tim is is 110k a week worth it for someone who doesn't win penalties <laughs> <laughs> that's not his fault um, yeah I mean he is worth it. it it's scary times though those kind of figures that we're talking about um, you know it's it's it's, uh, it's a uh, ghastly sum of money really but like Nick says we've got to keep him I, I just cannot bear thinking about next season without him so we've got to pay what it takes I think so we're looking at so 5.8 million a year roughly Ooh. For to fit, but you know, if we don't if we don't pay him that, and we want to go out and replace him with someone, we're going to have to spend, you know, three, four, five times that just to bring someone in, and then you're not even guaranteed that you're going to get the anyone anywhere near as good as Wilfred Zaha, you know. So, I, I, I think and we got we we got to pay him that anyway. He's got to pay for that bloody great big house up on the Weber Estate in Purley, isn't he? So he's yeah. we got to pay him that hundred and ten thousand pound a week. On Nose's old gaff. He was saying the other day, we wonder if he's um, redone the tiling at the bottom of the pool because it's got a Crystal Palace logo on there, but it's the old one. We was wondering if he's done it up with a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also come out today in the Evening Standard. Benteke has been bending Sacco's ear to stay. I'm trying to persuade him to stay, but it will be tough, Benteke told the Evening Standard. He'll have offers from other clubs, although our chairman and boss will try to get him to stay too. He's made such a difference to us. First, we have to make sure we remain in the Premier League, but we're not far away from doing that now. I will follow that up with Nick. Oldham, do you reckon Christian Benteke even knows who Oldham are? <laughs> I bet Tim doesn't even know who Oldham are or the story behind Oldham. Um, yes, I do. Do you? Yes. Yeah. It's, it, it's, Oldham will not happen. The Palace fans out there, and I understand that you're Palace fans and it goes with the territory, but they just need to calm it down. Everything is going to be all right. Okay. When you say that, when Sigurdsson bends his second free kick into the top corner against Everton. No, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, if I've got it right, I mean, if you think about it, and I know, Tim, you picked up on it on the main show the other day. We were talking about this weeks ago. We said, you know, I think it was three weeks ago, Tell you and I were talking um, on the preview pod and it was going to be the whole game was always going to be the pivotal game okay and I still don't think it's it might not even get that far because I think Swansea will lose at the weekend and whilst we won't get the point we won't get a point on the weekend I'm pretty sure uh, Swansea will lose at the weekend and it's over anyway calm down true. calm down <laughs> so it's um, obviously good that we've got someone like Benteke bending Sacco's ear to stay because that obviously says that you know, Benteke has been linked a fair amount with a move away, perhaps to somewhere China, to China and somewhere like that in January. So it's nice to hear that he's obviously committing his future through putting those efforts in to keep Sacco. So that's got to be encouraging for next season, right, Tim? Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand, really, because like you say, Benteke wasn't really um, happy, happy around that January time um until Sacco's joined us really and then you can tell that they've you know they've got um history in terms of being friends back at Liverpool uh they you know they bonded just as well here um and yeah that will make all the difference I think for both of them um hopefully they both want to play for us next season 
Actually, that's um, a great Tim. That's a great point you just made about uh, the history at Liverpool. I hadn't even thought about that. I just thought it was something that had been established recently at the club, and the I think the the history behind it. Uh, ben Teke will be giving him heaps about what do you want to go back to that lot for a bunch of scousers. I think that's a terrific point, and it could be something that actually tips him over the edge. It, it's. It's going to be difficult to keep him because he's got Champions League aspirations. But I honestly, th- I honestly feel that he's, he's actually developing a, a little bit of a buzz for the club. And if we do stay up, I reckon we'll get him. Yeah, well, it might be nice for him just to have a season to get back into the flow of things. Um, he's obviously been out for a, a good, well, the best part of a year. Now he's going to have a little bit of a layoff as well with this injury. You know, just somewhere where he can enjoy his football again. I think that's our only hope, really. And then... You never know. We could end up making money out of him in the future by sending or selling him on. He's only young. He fits the mould in that sense for the club. And um, yeah, you never, you never know. I, I'm unsure that we've seen the end of him yet. But Terence, well, can I ask you a question? I mean, is there any chance that he could make an appearance for the uh, City game? Because I don't think his injury was no, serious no, at all. No, not City. No chance for City. It will be. He's got. He had bruising and straining to his ligament, so that would be usually around three to four weeks. So Old Trafford is the only chance. Really. Talking of Old Trafford, Jose Mourinho has said this week that if Manchester United, and that's a big if, Manchester United make the Europa League final, he will be playing the kids on the final day of the season. Tim. Is this just another Mourinho loves the Palace fans loving type affair and that he's just, again, angling for a move to manage us one day? <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking. Yeah, I'd love it, love it to be that. Um, probably more likely it's mind games with uh, the Premier League and, and all the other uh, hierarchy, you know, like moaning basically that they've got to play um, two games, you know, a big final, literally a few days after playing us. Um mm. Yeah, whether that uh, whether that will actually happen, that he will play the reserves against us, um, who knows? Well, that's on the 21st of May. I do wish we could go back one calendar year to 21st of May and have May United play the reserves, but there you go. <laughs> They're playing the reserves anyway at the moment, and they with the amount of injuries they've got of late. I mean, if you saw that lineup that they put out on whenever they played, it was I assume it was Sunday afternoon, was it? I mean, they weren't playing. I mean, their, their first team squad is decimated by injuries, worse than ours. Yeah, well, that's right to say, and that's matching ours and sort of going into the game for this weekend. We're, we're ending up with Damien Delaney and Martin Kelly versus Sergio Aguero and Jesus. <laughs> Does that feel, God, you with, feel you with Trednik? I'm, I'm frightened. I'm scared. Listen, it's a, it's a free hit, isn't it? It's a free hit. When nobody's expecting us to go up there and get anything, especially with those two at the heart of our de- defence. Um, I think... You know, go up there, see what you can get, shut up shop, park the bus. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You could park the coach. You can actually park the Palace coach on the pitch. We'd still f***ing lose. Oh, sorry. We'd still lose. <laughs> sorry, oh, Will. There you go. There you go, Billiam. First one, first one for you, mate. <laughs> um, we're practising not swearing for the um, our eventual broadcasting on digital radio, on DAB radio. Um, Ofcom are going to be knocking on your door, mate. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a story for another day. Hey, Zeus, gets back to Hey, Zeus. Now, obviously, it's bad timing for us that he's come back in time for this game, having come on um, against Manchester United the other day. Um, 
have you seen much of him this season, Tim? I've I've been really really impressed with him, and his pace and movement and strength does really really worry me against the likes of Delaney. Yeah, it worries me too. Um, I mean, I've got a, a friend, a good friend that's a City fan, and he just raves about him. Um, you know, he's not played that many games this year, but basically when he does play, he seems to hit the target or or set up goals. Um, you know, he's an absolute danger man and one we should fear. Um, yeah, and I just... Delaney and Kelly are going to have their work cut out, I think, this weekend. Um, I'm pretty sure they both played last year at, at City as well, that, that pairing. Yeah, maybe I eradicate all of those games from my mind. I think when we lost 5-1 up there in the League Cup last season, I don't even think I came out for the second half. <laughs> I think I just stayed out back. But Delaney certainly scored in that game, so it could have been him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm sure, well, probably Kelly played at fullback, but I'm pretty sure he was in the eleven as well. Yeah, I've eradicated Kelly playing at fullback from my mind as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, and... Yeah, so look, we've got a lot of injuries and it's just something that we're going to have to deal with with our squad. But without Sacco, this is one for you, Nick. Wayne Hennessy has been beaten from 35 yards twice, nutmegged, beaten by a shot that dribbled over his line about 0.5 miles per hour, although that was disallowed <laughs> for a handball. And he's been beaten at his near post. What what is it? What is what's happened to Hennessy when Sacco's not in the team? Do you think it's just Sacco's leadership qualities in front of him gives him a lot more belief? Hang on a minute, thirty-five yards out twice, nutmegged, beaten by a shot that rolled over the line. Okay, it's a and no beaten at his near post. There's no news story, is there? <laughs> what's new? Okay, <laughs> so it's, been, it's what we've been watching most of the season. Um, but it's what I'm saying under Sacco, though, with Sacco in front of him, he's barely conceded a goal. Well, there you go, and, that, and that's where we again something we discussed on numerous occasions. It's the confidence in in the back four in front of him, and more importantly, that confidence has actually let him bred confidence back to the goalkeeper. And we've seen a bit of an upturn in his performances recently, while Sacco is in the team. Is there any uh, is there any correlation to the fact that now Sacco's out the team? He's playing like a a fish out of water again. God knows. <laughs> Ofcom ringing in your ears there. He was like, I just swear, stopped. I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I really did stop halfway through sentence. But I mean, he's, he's been flapping around like anything. Um, and I think the, the reality is, okay, with the January signings of Sacco and Luka Milivojevic, um, that has actually improved what we've been witnessing on the pitch in the in the back four, um, and obviously including Luka as well. Uh, and that's actually had a, a positive effect on his goalkeeping ability. Um, and also the introduction of the new goalkeeping coach as well, don't forget. So that's actually had a bearing on it. But now Luka's out of the team. Here we go. We go back to what we were before. In front of him, he has got... Uh, Delaney and I'll be honest with you what I saw on Saturday he's filling me with absolute dread as well of course you mean Sacco out the team not Luca. but Tim you were on the the main show on Sunday night and there was a suggestion made that perhaps we should be looking to sign Tom Heaton and would you take him over Hennessy next season yeah I definitely would actually I thought he had a very good game the other day um he kind of made some of those saves that Hennessy's been making to be fair but Having said that, he looks a bit more solid at other times as well. And um, I hate digging him out, Hennessy, but just in the first half, I mean, when that, that goal was disallowed and it kind of just trickled in, I just couldn't believe it. And um, and then, you know, he got beaten at his near post as well. Um, it's just not good enough. And I, I do have a bit of sympathy in that. I think the kind of spine of the team has been affected with Kabaye and, and Sacco both missing 
in the last game or so. But, mm. you know, even so, he still should be Premier League quality. Yeah, and I th- I f- he has a history of getting beaten from 40-odd yards by Fabian Delph at um, the Etihad. So. I was actually surprised, actually, how small that Tom Heaton was. I mean, yeah. I, know we're, I know we're looking at... Uh, uh, Tim Warren lookalike in Wayne Hennessy because he's about eight, <laughs> eight foot tall. But I mean, that Tom Heaton's only a, only a tiny little keeper, isn't he? Yeah, that's why um, Tim managed to run the marathon so fast the other day. He's just got three legs steps. that just... Three steps. <laughs> three steps, sorted. <laughs> um, Tim, on a serious note, um, yeah. Patrick van Arnholt against Burnley, do you think Schlupp has to come back in against City? Bearing in mind... Uh, you know, we looks a little bit ropey down that side against a very average Burnley side. Yeah, I think Schlupp did enough to be fair in the last couple of games. And I think the only reason he got kind of rested really um, last weekend was just the fact that he'd played those couple of games and we had an option down that side. Um, I think the reality is the rest of defence, there's no real other options to kind of like freshen it up elsewhere. So the left back position was about the only position that we've got that cover. So I think that was the only reason why Van Aanholt came back in. Um, not that Van Aanholt's a bad player, but I think um, Schlupp had certainly done enough before, you know, before that game. Yeah, I think I definitely saw. I've seen a lot in the last couple of performances from Patrick Van Aanholt about what Sunderland fans were talking about with his lack of positional sense, and I think it's really, really important that you know, yeah. Allardyce spends the summer and the pre-season, you know, drilling into him some defensive positioning awareness because he's he can be all over the shop at times. Um, moving. Moving more into the middle of the park, let's make the assumption that Johan Kabai is going to be out again. It was, I mean, Tim, I, I don't even know how I can talk to you for giving James McArthur man of the match on Sunday oh, no. in the Burnley game. <laughs> Why are you thinking me out? <laughs> I'm just genuinely, I thought it was his worst performance ever in a Palace shirt. Um, and with the way that Allardyce is trying to play, um, especially at home, Nick, trying to get us further up the field and trying to, you know, have some inventiveness. Do you see where MacArthur fits into this Palace team under Allardyce? Because Kabai, for me, the, the reason why we struggled a lot on the weekend is because Luca's passing was way off. We've never seen it like that before. And it's because Kabai always given him an option when MacArthur was not given him that option so many times, which was forcing Luca to go a lot longer and try more difficult passes than he actually wanted to try. Well, I don't think he would have been forced into doing that when Johan Kabai was on the field. So how does MacArthur adapt his game, if you were, to fit into an Allardyce team? That was a hell of a question, but right, let's start off. <laughs> let's start off right at the very beginning there. I didn't even know, and I was shocked to, when uh, Johan Kabai wasn't even on the team sheet. I didn't even mm. know he had he'd taken a knock. Didn't know anything about it. Um, the only alternative to that would be bringing James MacArthur. Now, it was a conversation I was having with one of my colleagues earlier in the day about James MacArthur. Don't forget, he's come back from that fairly long-term injury. He's not mm. fully match fit. Okay. Um, I do question what he's doing alongside Punchin because uh, you're quite right that he's, MacArthur's performance on Saturday was very, very poor. But in fairness to him, so was Punchin's, so was Van Arnholt's, so was the back four. Um, Zaha had a good performance. Townsend was okay and Ben Teke was okay. But, I mean, I do question um, exactly where he would fit in around the punch and setup because the one thing that's happened mm. of, of late is with Johan playing in the position he is, punch performances have been 
We've seen an improvement in his performances, but they're still not great. I wonder if uh, we had a fully fit Johan Kabai, what would happen is if we took punching out the team, controversial time, ready for this, took punching out the team and tried it with Johan and MacArthur in the middle. Yeah, I know I know what you're getting at. Um, I think Jason Punchin's offering a lot, to be fair. Um, probably a lot more that you don't see. So if, I've taken to doing a gel recently and um, Jason Punchin watching. <laughs> and I started doing this because of some of the clips that, you know, come out of the Palace media team. And it was a lot about Punchin just going and talking to players and telling them what to do and stuff. And I know that people people make fun about fun out of him about pointing all the time and stuff like that but he's really really taking responsibility and taking to that role well and but I think we've seen enough evidence now that James McArthur and Jason Punchin in the centre of the midfield just do not really work together and that's exactly and, my point yeah and you're right yeah. and that's exactly my point um if, if Punchin wasn't performing to a higher standard at the weekend well maybe and uh, do we know whether uh Johan's gonna be back for the weekend uh, well, I don't know. This is all working off the assumption that he's not. We're obviously recording um, a couple of days earlier, well, a day earlier than we normally would this week, so we don't have um, Allardyce's press conference to go off. But I, I would like to have think that Kabai's just being was just rested. It was one game too many for him. Like, he was definitely present at the stadium, and he'd managed to lug his way up to um, the executive boxes because I saw him instagram a post out from the boxes up above the white horse lane and so um although you say that these agents usually run them run those accounts from these days so i don't know but um yeah i think maybe he had a little niggle and you know the amount of games we've had recently was too much for him in those in those short spaces of time and um wanted to give him a rest so i i I think you're right in the sense that it's not going to be MacArthur and Punchin is not working. If it's going to be MacArthur coming in, it should be for Punchin. But would you take Punchin out, Tim? I'm, for, for me, I still think he's offering an awful lot. I know I rate him probably more than most people on this podcast do. So what, what are your thoughts on Punch? I think Punch is he's coming in as captain, hasn't he, since this, this good one that we've had. And so I would be a bit reluctant to change that, if I'm honest, because... You know, we've seen a different punch since he's been the leader on the pitch. And um, I'm not sure at this stage of the season it's, it's you know, wise to sort of mess with that that appointment, mm. really. So for that reason, you know, that reason only, I'd probably keep him in at the moment. Do you mind if I jump in there? I mean, you, yeah. say, that we, you say that we've seen a different punch in. What you've seen out on the pitch is a leader. I get that. OK, yeah. We, and there's one thing we were criticising earlier in the season for is we didn't have a, a leader on the pitch. Well, what with Luca and... Punching, yeah. Okay, I, I I concede that we do now have a leader, but have we seen an upturn in Punchin's performance? Because I don't know that we have. I I think it would show in many places that you probably can't see. So by that I mean in terms of his running statistics, I think will probably be a lot higher. I think his defensive outputs are probably a little bit higher in terms of he he seems to get in and amongst a lot more because he's pressing higher up the field than he previously was. And, you know, he's he's forcing teams into errors and him and Kabaya seem to have an understanding of who goes when and who doesn't go and how to press together and so on. So I definitely... I don't think there's been the outturn in the defensive side and the running side. I mean, he's still, you know, his assists still aren't really coming. He was His goals aren't ge- coming. Yeah, he generously given an assist in the um, Liverpool game. But um, when you're looking at it, that's still 
the assist in that Liverpool game was his first assist since we beat Southampton 3-0. So, um, and that was at Sellers Park all the way back in the third on the 3rd of December. So, I, I don't know. Like I say, I think you'd like to see a bit more attacking in an attacking sense from Punchin. Um, I think he needs to be a little bit less selfish and shoot from the edge of the box a bit more. We all know that he can dig out a shot, so I'd like to see him shooting a bit more. But yes, Absolutely. And we know that MacArthur has a canny knack of getting on the end of crosses. So, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one, definitely. I'm not, I'm not, at this stage, I don't think taking punches out the right thing to do. But you're right if, in terms of fitting into an Allardyce style further in the future. It's, you know, a sh- hoping that we keep Kabaya for next season. Um, it's who plays alongside him could definitely be a summer pondering for Mr. Allardyce and co. Um Let's move to the top of the field. It's, it's a way day, so it's it's Ben Teke fun time. He averages a goal every 141 minutes away from home this season. Uh, where ten of his ten of his 14 goals have come. So, what's the secret, Tim, between <laughs> his performances away from home <laughs> and his performances at Sellers? <laughs> I wish I knew. I mean, I suppose we play a different style of, of football away from home. We we have less pressure. Um, we kind of play more counter-attacking. So. Um, I guess it suits his play a bit more when we're, we're kind of uh, quickly breaking away. Uh, and, you know, recently he's got a couple of very similar goals where he gets on the end of crosses. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame really he's not got more goals at home. But for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem to get quite so many chances at home as he does away from home. Mm, certainly doesn't. I mean, I was, <laughs> I thought he was very abject against Burnley and why I don't think if I was Allardyce, I don't think I would have hauled him off the pitch because at the end of the day, he does, he's our only striker that does score goals. I can see why he did it. And um, I went into the pub after and I said to everyone who only goes to the home games, I'm, I swear to you, Christian Benteke is really, really good. <laughs> you guys just don't see it anywhere near often as we do. Um, Nick, do you think he can get on the score sheet again at, at the Etihad or do you think it's, it's going to be a bit of a slog for him up there alone? Again, old Timbo's quite right. It is a different, um, it is a different style away from home. We are working on our our pace, our breaks. I mean, I think the best thing we, we could actually hope for is going go not at half time and then work on those quick breaks again after in the second half. If it was if it was still uh, if Man City was still searching for a goal, and then that's the best we can hope for that Ben Tucker gets on the end of one of the boys crosses and, and nods one in um, because that is the style that he clearly thrives on. And that's the style we play away from, from home. So uh, you're, you're right to be pointing it out to him. Yeah. Well, I think with um, Vincent companies back now and seems to be getting a run of games together and Otamendi seems to be in decent form. So I, I think he's definitely going to have a tough afternoon, but you know, if we throw your uncle buyer back in there, you, you never know what can happen. And hopefully we won't be on the end of a hiding, but we'll talk more about that later when we go for predictions. But first we'll take a little gap and then we'll be speaking to Jack from the city watch podcast. <laughs> Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, we are now joined by Jack from the uh, City Watch Podcast. Um, Jack, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll start off with um, Pep Guardiola. Um, are there any murmurings of discontent going around the Etihad these days? Oh, I think the last few weeks it's sort of built off a bit more. You know, you've got two wins and eight now and... 
out of every competition fighting for a place in the top four. It's not exactly what everyone expected going into this season. But, yeah, I do think there is some fans starting to turn, but hopefully the summer transfer window and a good start to the next season can change that again. Yeah, what's, I mean, what do you think is the main reason why Pep's, you know, he's he's been so successful in his career previously, and I think this is the first time that he's not won a trophy in his first season of a club. Is it just as simple as, you know, a lot of injuries at key times and a bit of an ageing squad as well? I think some of it's to do with the injuries. Of course, Gundogan was brought in, and he was supposed to be the centre point of the whole team. He was supposed to be the, the shabby of City, and then, of course, he got injured, and out for half of the season so that affected them badly and then um i think there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think a lot of it was also to do with the squad they inherited from Pellegrini. You know, we've been planning for eight years. We've always wanted Guardiola in. And you look at the squad when he came in, two or three actual Guardiola players in the team. Mm. I just think it was too much for him to turn around in that short space of time. Yeah, I don't, cause you, I don't know if you saw the graphic on Sky Sports the other day when it showed the previous two seasons combined together. And... Um, had Tottenham at the top with 147 points with a net spend of 7 million and then City in second place 15 points behind Spurs with 270 million pound net spend so there's still quite a lot of money being you know going out the door but it still hasn't really yielded the performances that you'd have been expecting I imagine yeah yeah I think because a lot of that was spent in Pellegrini's last season as well I don't think the players that we bought in that window maybe De Bruyne mm. perhaps I don't think the other players were exactly built for Pep. I think Pellegrini yeah. was trying to... He knew it was an Asian squad. He was just trying to get us through the season. And that's why we haven't prepared very well at all. Yeah, so with all that, yeah, I guess with um, yeah, with Pep Guardiola next season, getting these players in, in the transfer window, clearing out some of the deadwood, you'd um, probably expect a better season next year? Yeah, you know, some of the players who were there this season have obviously adapted to... Sort of adapted to his philosophy, and then the ones who haven't should be moved along in the summer and bring in some players who he thinks can fit it a lot better. I saw that um, Navas got handed a contract extension. I'm not sure how that will go down with the fans. A lot of them have been pretty annoyed from what I've seen, but he's done the right job at right back, so I, I don't know. But um, I mean, sort of I, I mean, for me, I've I've seen Navas. Um, every time I've seen Navas, I've been fairly disappointed. And he, I remember him missing an open goal at Sellers Park a couple of seasons ago after rounding Wayne Hennessy. So I was very surprised to see that. But you've been, you've had some very good links as well in terms of looking at the Monaco, the guy up front for Monaco, and um, Carl Walker. I believe you've been linked with as well. Yeah, I've 
Yeah, I've heard quite a few things about Carl Walker. Um, obviously, he fell out with Pochettino according to some reports. And then I've heard that we're in talks with him and have been for the last few weeks. So that's looking quite good. He can obviously be the first choice ahead of Navas at right back. I'm not sure about Mbappe because we'd have to completely break the bank to sign him. And I'm not sure if we'll be able to do that as well as bringing in all the other players we want to as well and staying in the FPS. Uh, FFP regulations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, like watching teams like Man City, it's kind of like I feel like I'm playing football manager when I see all the players you're linked <laughs> with and how much it's for. <laughs> so, um, who, who's, um, who, who should we be looking out for on Saturday? Who's who, who's the informed player at the moment? Um, well, obviously, only two wins in the last eight. Not many people are informed. Um, if Namath is, no, not Namath, if Silver's back, then watch out for him. And if not, then Gabriel Jesus is the one to look out for. He's always on the move. The perfect head player. Yeah, I've really, I really rate Jesus from what I've seen of him. He looks, looks like a great prospect and money well spent, really. And um, if we're gonna. Uh, do, the, do an, yet another miracle this season and win against one of the big teams. Where 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 can we exploit you? Where is City weak under Pep? Um, well, you've seen how shaky the defence is. It's improved a lot recently. Companies from back and he's been playing really well. But I think that left-hand side, if Clichy plays as a left-back, then him against Zaha or Townsend is going to be an absolute nightmare for us. Because he seems to have just lost all confidence in himself this season. So, yeah, pretty much your strengths, the wings are our weaknesses. Well, that's promising news for us, of course. And we'll we'll just end with uh, your prediction, mate. What do you think the score is going to be? 2-1 City. 2-1. That's very very polite of you not to say four or five. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be confident that's any more. (laughs) <laughs> Jack, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, really appreciate it. No problem. Take care, pal. Homestel Radio, free view podcast, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Okay, so now it's time to get some predictions under our belt. Um, obviously, we didn't preview the Burnley game, uh, so we can look back to Spurs. Lucy went 1 1. Nick Philpotts, uh, you said 2-2. Two, two. You got one wrong. What's going on, sir? I know, I know. And you know why. I think you're involved in this somewhere along the line. You didn't actually give us a prediction. We didn't do a Burnley one, as you quite rightly said. And because we didn't do a Burnley one, we lost on Saturday. And it's your yeah. fault. My fault, yes. Um, but I predicted nil-nil for the Spurs game, which I was so close. <laughs> I was so looking forward to bragging before <laughs> Hennessy's short-sightedness cost us it again. Um, in terms of listener predictions, we've got uh, Tim Green is saying we'll beat City and lose to Hull. That's just the Palace way. Um, I, admire, I admire your confidence, but for reasons we've talked about further up in the show, you know, missing goodbye and so on, and... Um, not having Sacco or Tompkins for that matter, I think. It might be a bit of a stretch. Uh, my friend Nick agrees. He said City are going to win 4-1. And um, Chris has said City by two goals, either 2 nil or 3-1. They've averaged three goals a game against us in the last five matches up there. And on Twitter, our poll has said 
57% of you said that we're, we're going to lose, with only 18% suggesting a victory. So, Tim, are you in with that 18% or are you in with a more realistic 57%? God, I'm miserable. I'm more realistic. I'm going to be miserable like you, Tell. I'm going to go, um, I think we're going to lose 3-1. Um, I think, think Benteke will score. I think he'll keep up his fine goal scoring run away from home, but I don't think it'd be enough. Okay, and uh, Mr. Nostradamus over there? Unbelievable what you just said, Warren. Unbelievable. Have you been in my house and reading my notes, you toe rag? Because <laughs> I had exactly that, a 3-1 bent with a Benteke to score the one for us. Okay, and because you've done that, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Palace win, Benteke. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yes, so you won't be getting a 0-0 prediction from me this week. Um Misery. Sorry, guys. I'm back to predicting losses. I'm going to say it's going to be three nil to City. I just don't think we'll be we'll be in the game. I think with um, our central pairing of the way it is, we're going to be sitting way too deep. Won't be able to get a little bit further up the pitch like we'd like to. And I think the way they are in and around the penalty area is just going to cause us all sorts of problems. Their movement is going to baffle Delaney and etc. And we're going to be in for a good hiding. So sorry, guys. If um... Okay, William, make sure you clip all that for next week so we can play that back to Terence. <laughs> when it's 3 0 to Manchester City. Anyway, <laughs> so let's end the predictions there. And next up's 1987, where we won 3 1 at Main Road. Homestale Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. This is Redmond. And just listen to that noise from the crowd. Well, Redfern scores. And a free kick for Crystal Palace. And that's the goal. Mark Bright is the player being congratulated. Away by Gidman. And now Bright over the head of Steve Redmond. And Mark Bright wraps up the points for Crystal Palace. That's 3-1 to the visitors. Right, yes, it's classic match time. Um, we're heading to back to Main Road on uh, December 5th, 1987. A very, a very important day, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, it was. It was my 13th birthday. 13th, coming of age or becoming a teenager or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, obviously, being 13, probably wasn't one of the 23,161 in attendance. And um, the listeners will be pleased to know that neither was I and neither was Nick. So um, this one is from memory shared by others with us uh, this week. And also um, 
a quite brilliant video on YouTube that shows us the game. Um, bit of context going into this one. City are unbeaten in 12 at home and had won the last four, scoring 22 goals. <laughs> They'd beaten, I think it was Huddersfield 10-1 and they had beaten Plymouth, I think, 6-2. Um, so they were in they were in top top form at home and sitting on level one points with us in the league uh, towards towards the top there, uh, but our away record wasn't very great and we'd lost four of the last five away matches, so nobody really gave us much hope when travelling up to Main Road. Um, either of you two ever go to Main Road? I did, yeah. Uh, I, I went to Main Road not when there was twenty three thousand in the ground. I went to Main Road when it was packed and. Yeah. I think I might have mentioned this before, actually. Um, it was in the early days of when we started doing the red and blue balloons and everything else, and Palace came out, and we were full of cheer, and the usual Palace story, within the next three minutes after kickoff, we'd gone 1-0 down. <laughs> and we'd gone 1-0 down, and I was probably a young teenager myself when, uh, around the time of this game that I'm actually talking about. And all of a sudden, the roar of when they scored at Main Road, in a packed Main Road, it was just something that I've never experienced before. And to this day, I don't think I've ever experienced since. It was just this wall of sound came towards us. Okay, it was fa- it was phenomenal, it was. It was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and that's that was my unabiding memory of Main Road. It's a bit um, dangerous, isn't it? During the Second World War, you might not hear the air raid sirens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <don't worry. laughs> um, and what about you, Tim? Do you ever head up to Main Road? I've been there once, um, bit of an off chance really. I was um, in Manchester with a few friends and we went to just a, a random game and it was Man City versus Southampton, I think, in the League Cup. Um, and it was a dull nil-nil draw. So I never heard that roar. Um, I heard a lot of frustrations, but not, you know, no goals. So. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I went up there just the once as well and that was um, right towards the end of the season. They were really pushing for promotion. I think they beat us 2-0. They had loads of temporary stands placed in the corners because they were just, you know, needed more and more seats in there. And um, Nick's right; it was they could get very, very loud up there, especially, especially in the important games. And um, I think it's quite embarrassing the comparison now to how quiet the Etihad is compared to how Main Road was. And City fans, I know, say exactly the same thing, and yeah. they would go back in a flash. Um, a flash is what the first half went by in because not not much happened. Paul Stewart hit the post with a free kick. Um, the Paul Stewart, who would go on to play for Palace um, on a, a successful loan spell in uh, what was that? The mid nineties, early nineties. Very. Um, I remember it well. I met him. I've met him during that period. He was actually a, a smashing chat. There you go. Um, alongside Paul Stewart in the Man City team was Eric Nixon in goal, John Gidman, Andy Hinchcliffe, Kenny Clements, Paul Lakes, Steve Redman, David White, Tony Adcock, Neil McNabb, and Paul Simpson, and they were married by. Mel Marchin, Mel Machin, 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 Machin. I'm going to go Mel Machin. And then there was, um, of course, no complications saying Steve Koppel, who would, of course, go on and manage Man City later in his career, um, albeit for a very short period of time. And we had George Wood in goal, Gary Stebbing, David Burke. Alan Pardew, Gavin Nebling, Jim Cannon, Neil Redfern, Jeff Thomas, Mark Bright, Ian Wright and Phil Barber with Glenn Pennyfather coming on as a substitute. Um, so 
you know, going in 22 goals for in the last few games, getting them to nil-nil at the break is not too bad indeed. But right at the beginning of the second half, um, George Wood punts a long ball down the field and the real narrative of this this story starts to, starts to set in with um, Mark Bright, you know, chases chases down the long ball into the area and um, just manages to pull up just in front of Nixon. And Nixon seems to just, I don't know whether it's for banter or whatever he's doing, sticks his hand in Bright's face and Bright lifts his hand up and slaps the hand away, but gets very close to Nixon's face as again. Do you think, Nick, the way both of them, you know, putting a hand up, the goalkeeper putting a hand up in his face unnecessarily and then Brighty lifting his hand up to his face and pushing the other way. Do you think they both would have been sent off there and then these these days? Well, well it's, a, it's a different era altogether, isn't it? I mean, any raised hands these days and you're, if, if nothing else, it's, it's a booking, uh, but potentially a red card as well. Um, I saw that earlier today. I was having a look at that earlier today. Um I think the goalkeeper was unlucky uh, and I don't think Brighty deserved a, he, he certainly wouldn't have warranted a, a yellow card at that point. But what we didn't know after what was a relatively boring first half was what mayhem was to follow. Absolute yeah. carnage to follow. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and then just minutes later, it's the same route again. George Wood, another long ball down the centre of the park. Um, there would be a lot of those in this game. And um this time, Bright's in behind the defence. Nixon comes out to meet him and they collide just outside the penalty area. And um, I think it's probably not a foul on Bright. It's it's just a, a coming together more than anything. And there was plenty of Man City cover running in behind the goalkeepers. I don't think there was any question that Nixon should be sent off for the collision. But um, he should certainly be sent off, Tim, for the, the kick out as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's an I know it's an old era, but kicking someone while they're down on the floor is is probably taking liberties, isn't it? It was a man's game back then, though, wasn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> Great shout! It was it was indeed. Um, and then you know, against the runner play a bit in the 68 minutes. This time it's a punt down the field from Nixon that causes mix up in the Palace back line, gets flicked on by Adcock, who who looking on it comes from Bethnal Green, which is where I'm from, and um I was very surprised to see that. Um pointless information for anyone other than me. <laughs> and yeah. uh Paul Stewart slots Paul Lake through and um he neatly finishes past Wood into the corner. But Palace weren't behind <laughs> Palace weren't behind for long at all. It was a minute and a half later just Again, another long ball, this time from um, Nixon. is defended much, much better from Palace, and uh, we managed to clear it back downfield, and now it's Mark Bright and Nixon once again running at each other. And um, Brighty again pulls up short of Nixon, doesn't run into him, and just for no reason whatsoever, Nixon, Nixon just shoves Brighty in the face. <laughs> now, do you, <laughs> you think that there must have been some words exchanged? you think there must have some history? Like, I'd love to get Brighty on to ask him about this because it's just so unnecessary from Nixon. He just lashes out. And um, the referee goes over to his lino and they correctly decide that, you know, it should be a second yellow for Nixon and a penalty to Palace. Um, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, Nick? It was just, it was one of the most bizarre things. I mean, the one thing that came out of that, 
that little sequence for me. And bear in mind, I, I was in the Brighton Wright era. So uh, the one thing you were used to with Ian Wright was his absolute pace. I mean, he was blessed. Okay. Uh, and lumbering alongside him, and I'm sorry, Mark, if you're listening to this, but lumbering alongside him, and he wasn't known for his pace, was Mark Bright. Mark Bright chased that ball down to Nixon, as you quite rightly say, and he very nearly made it. His, his turn of speed at that point was outstanding. It's something I didn't recognise from Mark Bright because I'm not used to seeing it when he's when he's playing alongside Ian Wright. And whatever <laughs> and whatever Nixon was doing, I have there must have, as you said, as you quite rightly said, I think words must have been exchanged from the earlier exchange, from his earlier booking. Something must have gone on that we're not aware of, okay? Uh, because he just pushed him away so unnecessarily. And as you say, again, quite rightly so, the linesman and the uh, referee had a chat and off he went. Yep, and um, Steve Redman, the centre-back for Man City, ended up going in goal. Um, puts on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was always fun in games and just looks so awkward when he went the wrong way for the penalty. He didn't even really dive, just sort of runs across the other side of the goal <laughs> like a, a glitch in a computer game or something. And um, Neil Redfern slots the penalty into the opposite corner and main road... Yeah, um, if you listen back with your headphones to this one on YouTube, you'll you'll hear how hostile it could be there. It got very very loud, and um, Mark Bright was in some <laughs> for some seriously rough treatment over the next like half an hour, twenty minutes that's left in the game. First, if it's Tony Adcock, just absolutely levers him, kicks him from behind. No attempt to play <laughs> the ball is it is a stonewall red card, <laughs> and. Um, Adcock gets away without even getting booked. It's just a free kick to Palace. And then um, and <laughs> again, like a minute later, this time Bright's breaking away down the left. John Gidman just goes two-footed through the back of him. Um, he does get a yellow card and uh, Mark Bright has the perfect response from the resulting free kick. Tim head, heading back across goal into the bottom corner. Beautiful goal. Beautiful goal. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just um, amazing. I mean, going back... Um, a little while there to when you said about the penalty as well. I mean, it's so much better having no sub goalkeepers back in those days, isn't it? As well, like seeing the, <laughs> yeah. the you know, the, the shirt getting thrown off by the goalkeeper and someone else having to put it on and then the gloves being chucked and then someone putting yeah. the gloves on. You know, it's uh, amazing, amazing. And uh, yeah, like you said, it was so hostile there um, anyway um, on Mark Bright. And then for him to score that, that second goal as well, just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's with 15 minutes left. And now the ref is under like immense amounts of pressure. Every decision's being scrutinised. The Man City fans have really, really got their backs up. And um, hey-ho, <laughs> the ball goes down into the Palace penalty area and bounces up, hit, hits Redfern on the arm. It's definitely ball to hand and not hands the ball. And um, he's pointing to the penalty spot. The guy that was commentating on that at the time was a bloke called Ian Cheeseman. He was the commentator and he was obviously a Manchester-based uh, commentator, because you can tell by the twang in his voice, yeah. and he said, and he said, and his words were, "Surely justice will now be done." And with that, <laughs> he rattled it against the post. And it was, it was, it was, I won't, I won't do it, William. But it was as funny as you know what. Yeah. <laughs> so that was with eight minutes to go, and um, sucker punch comes a couple of minutes later. Um, Gary Stemming lifts the ball into the penalty area. And the centre-backs just fall asleep for City. Um, and Bright just finds himself with a, a centre-back of a goalkeeper to beat and just lifts the ball over him into, into the back of the net right in front of the Palace fans who go mad. Now, um, uh, a few seasons ago, back on my on my Red and Blue Army blog, 
Uh, I had a few of the a few older fans that I know share memories, and um, a guy called Sellers Hoover, you may know him from places like the BBS, shared his memories on this one, and uh, <laughs> it was at full time. His comments were: loads of their fans tried to get over the fences on the Kipax to get into get onto the pitch to try and have a pop at us, being the Palace fans. The police had to be on their metal to avoid them getting on, and we were kept in the ground for at least thirty minutes, if not longer. Several rounds of glad all over later, we were escorted out the ground only for a welcoming committee to be waiting for us. The police had been having all sorts of issues trying to clear the city fans outside the ground and it culminated in one of our coaches. Now, this is just unbelievable. It culminated in one of our coaches starting up its engine and driving across the gravel car park before throwing a handbrake skid so that the, the coach would kick up all the gravel onto the Manchester City fans to help the police disperse them. <laughs> <laughs> and he rightly says, can you imagine if this was nowadays, there would have been lawsuits and the lines to 606 would have been jammed uh, we eventually managed to get back on the coach only for everyone to be told to get on the floor and close the blinds as we were escorted out of town. Despite the escort, there were still several stones thrown at the coaches as we headed out. Thankfully, no windows went through as those in the seats would have been rather cold by the time they pulled back into Celeste Park. Some, some lovely memories there from Celeste. Yeah, the, other memory I've got, the, the other memory I've got from that, I don't know if you noticed it on the um, footage when you look, reviewed the footage. Did you notice two things that stuck out in my mind was the super super tight shorts that everybody was wearing mm. and the mullets they all the had mullets, mullets. Lots, mullets. lots of mullets if you, if you see me at the gym i've pretty much got a mullet and super tight shorts so um there's oh, an image that yeah. we don't want to go to bed with, but <laughs> i hope but all of the <laughs> listeners definitely want that image and that's what's more important um <laughs> so palace uh moved up to fourth um with this win moving five po- points behind leaders borough with a game in hand um, of course, we'd end up going up in the playoffs that season. That would be the famous Blackburn comeback. And uh, Man City, our opponents in this one, would actually go up automatic, f- finishing second behind Chelsea, who returned back to Division 1 at the first attempt. So that was Main Road in 1987. Brilliant, brilliant stuff there from um, Celos Hoover. And thanks, guys, for for making it possible with that YouTube video. Whoever uploaded that, that's great. <laughs> um, we'll be back after this short jingle. Homestyle Radio, free view podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. As boys to men once famously sung, we've come to the end of the road. It's over, lads. Um, thanks to Jack from the City Watch for his insight into Manchester City. Um, the Manchester City Review will be live on Sunday night. Head to wholeradio.net forward slash listen hyphen live or facebook.com forward slash wholeradio at 8pm to get your fix of Hambo and the gang or catch up from 10pm onwards with the podcast version of the show. Um, one point of admin before I thank you guys for joining me is that on Friday the 5th of May is let me just double check. Yeah, that's the 5th of May. Is the annual Remph game between the Brighton fans and Palace fans in memory of Robert Eaton, who died in the Twin Towers. Um, we are defending the trophy after winning 3-2 last year at the Amex, thanks to goals from Andy Johnson uh, twice and Jake Newton. Um, coming back from 2-0 down in that one, it was 
It was quite a day. Uh, but the game will be moving back to its usual home of Lewis this year, the Dripping Pan. And turning out for Palace this season will be Rob Quinn. That's one for you um, 90s, mid-90s fans there, um, picking out a player only played a few times, but he still does work in the background for Palace and the Foundation and is still far better than anybody else on the field. So um, <laughs> handy to have him at centre-back. And... Uh, Andy Johnson was supposed to play again, but had to drop out last minute for um, other commitments. But he, you know, he helped us get none other than Sasser Churchich to turn up, which I am very, very <laughs> excited about, to say the least. Um, I still imagine, again, you know, whenever you see the pros, Peter Ward plays a Brighton in this, and he's he's 68 now, I think, and <laughs> while he can't run for the whole game, mate, when you get the ball to his feet, he, he, still he just looks far better than everybody else. Yeah, he just, you know, what they what they say, the first yard's all in your mind, right? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm looking forward to Sasser Churchill running around the pitch. Um, undoubtedly, still got all the skills that he used to have. So um, get down to that one. It's a 7.30 kickoff at the Dripping Pan. Um, it'll cost you a fiver to get in and all the money that is made on the evening goes to charity. So it'll be great to see you down there if you can make it. I, of course, will be playing in goal for the Palace team. I'm not sure how long I'm going to play yet. My depends how my knees feel after a gym session in my tight shorts and mullet hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but thanks, guys, for joining me for this preview. It's been a pleasure. Always our pleasure, mate. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And until the next time, up the palace. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.